I'm Leanne Tran, psychologist who's worked with families whose kids don't fit the mould for almost 20 years. I've worked with children for decades, but I know parents are the real change makers when it comes to their kids. Having three kids of my own means I know it's not easy. Parent Like a Psychologist is all about simplifying how you support your kids with psychology information filtered through years of experience to take you from overwhelmed to confident. Come on in. Hello, thank you so much for joining me again today. Uh, I'm coming to you from Brisbane and it's the first week of September and the weather has turned quite warm this week. Actually, it was even, I would say, hot today at lunchtime when I walked outside in my lunch break. Um, I've also been talking today with parents about hotspots during the day and managing behaviour. And that's such a big, big topic. Uh, I sat down to think about my ideas for a podcast and to address the topic because it's so popular. And the dot point list was just so long that I think it's too much for one episode. I like to try and keep my episode short so that, because I know that I listen to a lot of things in the car running from work to picking up the kids or that kind of thing. So I think I'd I like to try and keep them short for that reason, but also because I think if there's too much information in there, you miss the chance to put things into action. And that's the biggest way that you can have an impact with your kids. So I'm going to turn this into a five part series on behavior. That's how much uh, information there is on this topic, but it also reflects how many different questions I get and how much there goes into each answer. So I'm going to talk about things in the next couple of weeks, like how to encourage good behavior, what to do when there's um, a tantrum or a meltdown, and also ways that you can adapt your communication with kids uh, when they are not behaving how you would like them to behave. But today I'm going to talk about the overall principles of effective discipline. So that's Discipline to me is not just what happens when the behavior is happening, but uh, it's setting up a whole system of prevention right through to how do you manage in the moment through to um, what to do afterwards. So today I'm going to cover um, five main areas and that's how to have expectations that are clear, modeling behavior, reinforcing the good behavior that you see, natural consequences and how and why to use them and also the idea of time outs or time ins um, as I like to call them. These are fairly general strategies so they work for all kids but then I'm going to talk about how you want to adapt those strategies if your child's autistic or has ADHD or both. So starting out um, effective discipline comes from clear expectations. What that means is that you um, effectively decide between you and your partner what the expectations or rules are going to be and then you communicate those clearly with your kids. Kids cannot do the right thing if they don't know what you expect of them. So some families do this by having certain rules that they follow 
Others prefer to use values that guide what they do as a family. Um, and either way, it's just about having clear expectations of what you expect your kids to do. The younger the kids, the fewer expectations you can expect them to hold on to and to manage. So kids who are under preschool, it might be, uh, it would be a maximum of three. Um, as kids get older, a lot of that value work has already been done. You've already, they've already lived your values and they know it. So you might want to add in some extra expectations there. How you can do it clearly is by using simple language and visual supports to communicate that to your kids. The second way you can make it clear is by modeling the behavior that you want to see. So that's the second part in effective discipline. So how you model it is by um, living the, the behaviors that you want them to have. So that might be if you expect that they each clean up after themselves after dinner, then you do the same. They see you doing it. They see you encouraging your partner, that kind of thing. It's easier to think about in the context of um, kind of chore-like tasks, like clearing the table, picking up after yourself, or that kind of thing. It's more important to think about it for those abstract things you want kids to do. So for example, if you want them to be um, kind and respectful, you've got to model that. If you want them to um, calm themselves down when they're upset, you've got to do that. Uh, and if you want them to, you know, be helpful um, and problem solve with other people and negotiate, then you have to do that as well. So first you set the expectations clearly, then you show them how to do it. Um, reminds me when I was talking about clear expectations, I should say as well, in terms of the language, it's a lot easier if you phrase the, um, the rules in terms of what kids should do rather than what they should not do. So for example, if you think about trying to say walk on the concrete instead of don't run on the concrete, because with don't run, you're only telling them one thing you don't want them to do. And they may think that every other option is um, a choice for them. So being clear about what it is you want them to do makes it easier for them to understand. Moving on to the third area, we're talking about positive reinforcement. So some people um, view that as automatically they'll think bribery and I shouldn't have to, you know, bribe my kids to do the right thing. The thing is that positive reinforcement gets a bad rap sometimes as thinking about sticker charts or whatever. And sometimes um, even psychologists get a bad rap for kind of just promoting, you know, the stars, gold stars for doing the right thing. But it's so much more than that. Positive reinforcement really means that you pick out and notice when your kids are doing what you want them to do and you let them know that. So it can be as simple as using um, descriptive praise to explain exactly what you saw your kids doing and why you liked it. And an example of that might be um, that your child maybe negotiated with a sibling when they would typically fight. And so you might want to say, I noticed that you stayed a lot calmer and you could problem solve that with your brother today. And that was 
it's not easy for you. I think you did a really good job with that. So by being descriptive, you're actually describing exactly what they've done well and explained why you liked it. And that's positive reinforcement. It doesn't have to be bribery. And But the other thing too is that sometimes that reinforcement is in the form of more um, materialistic things or external rewards. And I, I'm hesitant to say this because I want you to f feel like I do my job out of the pure goodness of my heart and love, but I've got to say that if I wasn't getting paid for it, I probably wouldn't do as much. Um, and so that's true for probably most of us. We all get paid to go to work and that kind of thing. So reinforcement is really helpful and motivating. Um, and if you want kids to feel that rush of um, goodness, then it's a currency that you can use. I feel like I've made a big confession there, but um, <laughs> please don't hate me. <laughs> I do really love working with kids, but that's not all um, I get from it. And so then I want to talk, the next point is about natural consequences. Um, I think why I've put natural there is that sometimes there's a difference between, um, you know, just letting kids experience what happens when they've chosen a certain behavior and punishment, which is often what people think if they say consequences, they'll say there should be consequences for their, you know, a child's actions. Um, so I'll talk to both those points. Natural consequences, I think, uh, that's where I like to do it. That's most helpful. And that's when kids, you know, choose certain behaviors and things to do, then there will be natural consequences that flow on from that. Um, and so I think about it in my family. An example might be that when you don't put the uniforms in the dirty basket where the washing gets done from, you run out of clean socks for school. And there have been days when my kids have had to wear dirty socks because natural consequences um, of their actions. I'm speaking softly because they're outside the door and they can hear me. Um, it doesn't, all it means really is that it helps kids make the link between what they're choosing and what the consequence of that is. If you want them to learn to pick up after themselves, then um, you need to let them experience the consequences of what it's like when they don't do that. Maybe it's messy. They can't find what they need. They don't have something that's clean. Um, and so experiencing that natural consequence is what can contribute to the problem solving for knowing why they need to do it next time and why your expectations are important. The other, the flip side there is the consequences being punishment. Uh, the reason I think that's problematic is that um, what we know from research about things like punishment is that first of all, yes, it can work, but there are problems with it. And the first problem is that it tends to only work in the presence of the punisher. So a good example from my point of view for that um, is, well, I shouldn't say it's not from my point of view, but I teach it this way, um, speeding cameras. Um, when we know speed traps are there, we'll slow down because we alter our behavior when there's, we know the punishment is there. 
but often what happens afterwards will will speed up or we'll do it next time not be so careful because research shows that we need to know that punishment is there in order to change our behavior and so you can't be with your kids all the time and you don't want that behavior to be dependent on whether you're around and watching or not you want them to um, do it because they experience their own rewards for that, whether it's internal rewards like feeling good and competent or external rewards like, um, you know, sticker charts or, you know, being taken out for ice cream because they did an amazing job this week at something. The second reason that punishment is problematic is that research also shows that while it's effective, it generally makes us dislike the punishers. And so that means if you're constantly putting in place punishments to teach your kids kids things, they will it will affect your relationship with them. Um, they will have a more negative kind of view of you and of the relationship. And that's not a good thing for their general well-being and mental health um, now or into the future as well. So it also means then you remove that opportunity you have of being a positive person in their lives that they can come to and talk about things when they've stuffed up because they don't feel that acceptance and positive relationship with you. So that's um, my view on why. If you, if you need some external things to guide your kids, it's much better for it to be rewards than to be punishments. What's next? Um, time outs. This is something that um, is, it depends on like, so how you think about it might depend on what um, definition you give to the word. So time out is typically, if you think about it from that traditional parenting thing is about um, you being naughty. So you kind of need to go and have time out to think about what you're doing and the consequences and think about your actions. That's um, really difficult because kids don't have as much capacity for that as we think. So the ability to um, think out loud in our heads and use that as a way to motivate ourselves for what we're doing doesn't emerge until about four or five. So if you're using it any younger than that, you're just you're asking them to do something they can't do. You're wasting your time. Um, I think time out when I use it is much more effective in that basketball kind of term of time out. Okay, we need a bit of an artificial break here to think about what we're going to do and how we're going to solve this. The term time in is used a lot as well for um, from that coming at it from an attachment lens. So rather than saying out, which means um, maybe your kids go sit on their own time in is let's sit here together and that gives you an opportunity when your kids are upset to help um, them with regulating their emotions. I think you can do it either way um, and it really depends a lot on what you feel like is right for your family and your child. And there's a third way that you can use the time out and that's if you want to give yourself one. So if you need some time out because you're not calm anymore that's okay to do as well. So you might say, I'm just going to take a couple of minutes out to calm down and I'll be back in a second. So you go off and sit down, do your deep breathing, meditation, tapping, whatever it might be. 
regulate and calm yourself and then come back to talk to your kids. Um, so it doesn't really matter how you think about it. The real point is that you take, once emotions are running really high or hot has been the theme of today, you take a break um, and, and deal with that first before you come back and deal with the problem. So those are the five key areas I wanted to talk about um, with discipline. So it's having the clear expectations, modeling the behavior you expect, um, positive reinforcement, using natural consequences, and then that idea of time out to handle or in to handle the emotions before you get back to the practical solutions. Those five things will work with um, all kids and you just need to kind of, um, I guess, tweak it a bit to make it right for the age of your child and what their abilities are and their interests. But there are some key things you'll need to adapt if your child um, is autistic or has ADHD. So uh, where in autistic children, the strategies still work, you will already be adapting your communication to fit their communication style. But there are some other tips that I can give you as well. The first tip is to think about what their needs are and what they need in their environment. Um, in terms of having clear expectations, you may want to set up a space where they have some um, sensory toys to help regulate or a space where they can have quiet time if they need to, whether that's with some headphones that blocks out family noise or something like that. So think about um, having those things available and having a clear expectation for yourself that it's okay for, for kids to use that um, to calm down and manage their emotions because that will lead to managing behavior. The second thing is that you want to use visual information as well. So make sure when you do those um, values or rules that you have to guide behavior that you have those presented in visual form as well. It makes it easier for kids to um, understand but also remember. You need to think about motivation as well. So um, do does your child have the same motivation for that stuff as you do? Um, maybe, maybe not. And so there's often motivational differences with autistic kids. So um, you need to take that into account as well. And that all kind of leads into the final point of thinking about um, a child, well, all children really, but more importantly with autistic kids, think about their ability to manage situations in terms of um, how much capacity they've got on any particular day. So we talk a lot about how um, when the demands are high, it means kids just have less left over for other things. And that's a day when you might wanna reduce the expectations. Um, if your child's doing well and in a happy place and they're not behaving, that's when maybe you might want to consider taking a more active approach to problem solve it with them. But think about how your child's feeling and reflect on that for a second and think about whether it's um, the challenge you're having is something that you can let go 
or something that you want to um, address with them. When I talk with parents about um, this with kids with ADHD, that the suggestions and adaptations are pretty similar. Um, I guess the thing is that you're still using visual information because that helps convey the message and also helps um, kids remember because it's that executive functioning bit that's different when kids have ADHD and autism to varying degrees, but executive functioning makes it more difficult for kids to remember what to do in the moment. So having the visual information there is really helpful. You also wanna think about motivation when your child has ADHD. Um, we know that motivation is different in kids with ADHD and they will find tasks that are effortful really far less motivating. <laughs> and they don't necessarily get that same internal motivation from stuff that, um, that other kids get. So that to me is a sign that you need to really increase those um, positive reinforcements. Um, and the external motivation because your motivation for the task getting done will be much higher than theirs. The bit that's different probably about ADHD is that you've got to be really a lot more careful about giving really immediate feedback about how things are going. And that ties into that executive functioning bit as well where um, kids with ADHD often aren't really aware of whether they're on the right track for, for doing what they're expected to be doing. Um, and so if your autistic child has difficulty with executive functioning as well, that will be important to address. Um, the, in terms of the feedback, what we're talking about is to let kids know if they're on track pretty early. So if you've asked your kids to do something or they're expected to do something at a certain time, you might need to stop and ask them, hey, are you, Let's stop and reflect. Are you on the right track right now? Are you doing what you're meant to be doing? Oh, okay, you've forgotten. So let me remind you, or where can you find out and get them back on track? Um, that corrective, or uh, that's what we call it, corrective feedback is feedback that kind of tries to correct course. That's really important. Uh, the other bit, I guess, that helps with all kids, just to bring it back to everyone for a second, is to think that positive reinforcement, um, so rewards for doing the right thing, research shows is most effective within something like two seconds of doing the behaviour. So you've got to really think about whether you can reward your kids right as they're doing it or right after, because that's the the period where it's going to have its biggest impact. And remember that the impact is just so that your kids learn that that's what is good to do so that they do it more next time. Um, yeah, so if that's one little bit to take away from today, that could be a useful thing to consider. Remember, it's almost got to be immediate as they're just finishing the task is when they need that reinforcement. So if this was me, I would be up to already finishing the school run. Um, so I think I'm going to leave it there and hope that I've left you with enough to give a big overall picture uh, of how to think about effective discipline 
And really the take home message is that it's not just about when the behavior happens. It's about what you do before, during, and then after. And we will unpack that more in the next couple of episodes. I'm looking forward to it. If you have any particular questions, um, please let me know. You can find me at Leanne Tran Psychology, and I'm always really interested to hear particular questions or examples um, you might want to talk through. Um, and if you'd like some guides on visual supports, you can head to the website and download some there. So it's leantran.com.au gives you a bit of a rundown of how to do these things yourself so that you can implement it at home. So I wish you a very calm and cool, not hot at all week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Parent Like a Psychologist. If you found it helpful, please share on Instagram so other parents can benefit too and tag me at Leanne Tran Psychology so that I can say a big thank you. Head over to leannetran.com.au to join the village for bite-sized psychology tips straight to your inbox. I really hope this podcast has brought a new perspective and you a step closer towards a calm parent and a thriving child. Have a delightful day.